We are in week two on a series called Abide, and uh, we're going over the fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying what your life would look like if you gave it completely over to God, okay? That, that the fruit we've been talking about is um, essentially just a manifestation of what happens naturally to a life that has been given over to God completely. And so if you meet somebody and they're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, we'll look at it right now in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is a really, really, really good chance that they uh, are giving more and more of their life over to God. And one of the things we talked about last week was the idea that fruit naturally happens. These aren't things that we try harder at. We don't say, I'm going to have more peace. You know, you just don't, that just doesn't happen. It's as we give our lives, this is the difficult part, as we give our lives over to our Heavenly Father, these are the things that just naturally happen. We talked about a fruit tree doesn't try really hard. It doesn't wake up in the morning and try really hard to create some fruit and then, you know, there goes, you know, another thing. You know, it's, it's that that just is what naturally happens. And so, some of the reasons why these things might not be evident in our lives is because we either need pruning or we need feeding. Just like any other tree, not to push the analogy too far, there are things in our lives that need to be cut back, okay, so that new fruit and new growth can happen. And there are some times that things that we need to do to feed uh, that. And so... Um, each one of these, we'll, ha- we'll be talking about some ideas of pruning and some ideas of feeding that we can do in order to manifest more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Because here's the thing we know. We know this from the Bible. God wants your life to look like that. <laughs> he says, I-, I-, I, wa- I-, this is what- I want you to bear fruit, much fruit. He also says, I want you to have fruit that remains. In other words, it's not just a flash in the pan. It's not like, oh, that was a good week, you know. It's a day after day, sustained circumstance after circumstance. These are the things that are manifesting in our lives. And this is why we're going to be talking about them over the next few weeks. Last week, we talked about love, the first fruit of the Spirit. And what we talked about was um, oftentimes for love to be manifested, the things we need to prune out are self-interest, um, self-absorption, uh, self-gratification, you know, all these things. If our, if our eyes are continually on ourselves, we probably won't manifest any love. And the thing we do to feed love is to serve. And so what I did was I gave us an opportunity to serve, like the easiest opportunity you could possibly have. Like if you, if you want to have more love in your life, then uh, you just do what I'm about to tell you right now again, because I asked for 25 volunteers. I pleaded for 25 volunteers. I got on my knees. I begged. I said, I tried to guilt you into it. You know, how dare you? You know, I did everything I possibly could to try to get 25 children's ministry workers, okay? And you guys came through with 13, which means you get to hear it all over again because I need 12 more. And what I was saying last week, and it's still true, you will not find a place to serve in the kingdom of God better than telling a little kid that Jesus loves them. Okay, you can't pick, you can, I don't care what you pick. You can be a pastor, you can be a missionary to some exotic place. That's just boring. You, children's, and here's the thing, it requires hardly anything. 
Yes, you need to pass a background check, and that disqualifies most of you. But my point is, there are some of you left over that, that, um, that once a month for one service, what will happen is you, you sign up, you pass the background check, you sign up. Uh, Chelsea sends you an email, and it says, hey, you're scheduled for this date in the future. Do you accept or are you to decline? And you say, accept. That was easy, right? Then, because she knows you've accepted, she sends you information on what to teach, when to teach it, how to teach it, okay? And then you go there, and the children are so well-behaved. You've never met kids. They sit very quietly, and they tell you your hair looks smells fantastic and that you look great and, and they never talk out of turn and it's really great. Okay, the last one I made, made up. Okay, they won't tell you your hair smells fantastic, but uh, it is just awesome. So just try it. If, 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 uh, just pray about it. No, I'll, I'll pray for you. Hold on. He said yes. Okay, so you're supposed to do it. Um, but anyway, that was, my, that was my push. But my, my point of that whole thing, well, was that we need 12 more workers. But my other point was that love is manifested through service, okay? So if we're serving ourselves, we probably will not have very much fruit of love in our lives. If we're serving others, that allows the Spirit of God to move, okay? Because the Spirit of God is going to empower you not to serve yourself, but to serve others. And that's what we said. We wanted to be guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this week, we're going to talk about the fruit of joy, okay? Now, there is a doctrine that uh, just kind of a, a theology um, that we often refer to as health and wealth. And you'll see this sometimes on television. Sometimes you'll read about it or whatever. And this is the way the doctrine goes. And believe me, I would love, love, love to believe this. Um, but here's the way it works. Um, God is a king. You're a child of the king. When he blesses you, it means you get stuff. Okay? Isn't that an awesome doctrine? I mean, I wish so bad it were true, but it's not, okay? That, yes, God is a king. You are a child of the king, and he will help you get through anything, but he will not give you stuff. So you'll see people, uh, sometimes pastors, will get up and they'll say, I need a, a jet plane because, uh, you know, that, and that shows and all my cool stuff and watches and my, like, my toupee. Uh, all this stuff is, is, is a display of God's blessing upon my life. But here's how we know, and here's how you can know a lot of doctrines, whether they're true or not. They have to be true everywhere. So, so if, it's in, if in America, that's how we value blessing. We call it stuff, the new thing, the next thing, whatever it is. It has to be true where, in countries where they're fleeing, okay, to try to get out from under a regime. God's not, because I'm telling you, they love God just as much as we do. And yet their lives look like conflict. Their lives look difficult. They look like struggle. And so where is God in all of that? How is God blessing them in all of that? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because here's the thing that I'm so happy about. That God doesn't bless us with stuff because stuff never lasts. When I was in, uh, I graduated from college and um, got married right away. Um, and we were poor 
and we had a lot of um, school debt, okay? My, my parents didn't have any money, so we, I, I amassed some school debt. And so I just felt this burden, this pressure. And one day I walked into my company, uh, uh, and they handed me the keys to a cargo van. And they said, this is your company car, okay? And um, I was really bummed out because... It was like a gas guzzler, and I didn't have any money, right? Because I was fresh out of college, I didn't realize that when they give you a company car, they give you a gas card to go with it. Can you imagine that? So I didn't care what car I was driving. It was a free car. I have never been so happy. That was the happiest day other than my wedding, honey. Uh, Other than my wedding, that was the happiest day of my life. I had a company car. And here's the other thing. Yeah, it gets better. It had, between the seats, a phone. You could drive around and talk on the phone. And it was about this big, it was this big briefcase. For those of us, yeah, I know, you're, you're over 40. You're like, I remember those, yeah. And you'd pick it up, and it had a cord. <laughs> like, and here's what I would do. I, I felt so rich and so important. I would drive around with that up to my head, pretending I was on a phone call so that I'd look important because... Isn't that what everyone was doing, watching me? I mean, you know, and so I would be on the thing, like, how's it going? It's a phone in my car, you know, and, and so uh, oh, it was the greatest thing. I was so happy for about two months, and then I got used to the phone, and then it just bugged me that people could get in touch with me. Whenever. Well, you have a car phone, like, oh, I know, and it's like $2.72 a minute, you know, and so we, it was just that, and then the, it was a cargo van. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, free and everything, but, you know, it's two months, you get kind of, so then I got another phone. Oh, it's an awesome phone. This phone, still a car phone, it didn't, it wasn't attached to the car. You could just walk around with a phone. And I had a pager, and then they paged me because they wouldn't call me on the phone because they didn't want it to take up minutes. So they paged me, and then if I wasn't only in an emergency, I could use the phone. And so I'd be out, like, on the street, you know, talking, like, sure, yes. How's it going? You know, big deal, right? Then I got a Motorola Razor phone, okay, that was like Captain Kirk. And, like you, and I would take my phone thumb, and I, when I'd get a call, and I'd flick it, and it would flop open. I'd be like, what's up? And I'd hold it like this. What's up? You know, like, and I had a little tiny antenna, and that was awesome. Then I had a, um, I got a palm, uh, a little palm pilot. I loved that thing. I got a Blackberry after that. Every time, every, every, every time, I was so happy to get those things. The other day, I went and I got the iPhone 6 Plus, which is the largest screen that I had to get because I can't see anything. I'm kind of blind, which reminds me. I don't have my glasses here. Uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, but but uh, that was the uh, thank you so much. This is going to be great for the video. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and I was so happy. I got a cover for it and everything got to protect it. I was so happy. And now it's just my phone. What, what happened there? <laughs> Like everything, I was happy for a little bit, but then it just went away. Aren't you glad? We're going to get into this a little bit. Aren't you glad that your heavenly father doesn't want you to be happy? 
He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be content. Aren't you glad that you don't have a heavenly father that goes, oh, what's the next thing you want? Oh, oh here you go, here you go, here you go. Like, like for all of us who've had kids or been around kids, why would we want our heavenly father to act like we know we'd never want to act for our own kids? We know what that does to them. Now, on the one hand, it's like, well, no, I kind of would like it, you know. I mean, yes, I know what you're trying to say, yes. But watch what we're going to see a little bit in the scriptures, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll change your mind. Because here's the thing that we have to understand. You are going to, whether it's now in your life or at some point in your life, go through difficulty. It's just going to happen. I hate to break the news to you, and I'm so sorry. And if you're new here, it, it's only going to get worse. Um, <laughs> But the idea that God wants you to be happy, that, you know, you're, everything's going uh, to be okay if you follow God, everything will be fine. There are some things that are just really hard in life. And so, as a matter of fact, if there is somebody who is supposed to be happy and supposed to not have any problems, it was Jesus. Right? Jesus was sinless. You know, when, when I talk about giving your whole life over to God, Jesus did that. Okay? He was God in the flesh, and he lived out his life as an example of how we should live. Let me explain to you or show you what Isaiah chapter 53 says about Jesus. This is a prophecy um, in Isaiah telling you about what the Messiah is going to look like. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. Can you imagine? You like walk into Vons and you're like, where are the bananas? And ah, you know, you don't want to see that. That's, you know, this is how, this is how Isaiah is describing Jesus. And then, in case you didn't get it from the first line that he was despised, the last line, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. So here's Jesus, okay? Sinless, God, in the flesh, didn't have a one, one sin at all, and he's defined as a man of sorrows. Now, how in the world would I ever get a theology or a doctrine that my life should look different than Jesus's life, that I just go through unscathed, just consuming and just happy? But watch, this is the, ki this is the kicker, and this is where it starts to turn around and get to be good news. In Hebrews, it also describes Jesus. This man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, despised by men. Okay? And, and what's happening here is the writer of Hebrews is, is saying what God thinks about different stuff. What God has said about different stuff. And, and now God's going to talk about Jesus. And here's what it says in Hebrews. But about the Son, he says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions. Now, how do you think God, the heavenly father, would set Jesus up above his companions? With a promotion. <laughs> no. Uh, with a car. No. With financial blessing. No. No. How? In a, uh, ooh, a place of power. That's, that's how. This is how God the father blesses the son. By anointing you with the oil of joy. 
So check this out. This is so encouraging. So here's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, anointed with the oil of joy. See, if God's going to give us stuff to make us happy or going to bless us with things that they all work out right, that is all going to pass. It's all going to go away. But joy is that sustaining thing that happens despite circumstances, despite the outcome, despite that dream being crushed or that relationship that fell apart or whatever, despite all that, which is hard, the oil of joy is what holds up all together. As a matter of fact, joy um, is something that Jesus himself said he wants for us. Jesus was saying, I want them to have my joy. Now, now if, if Jesus is a man of sorrows and all these bad things are going to ha- happen, isn't it strange that he would say, oh, I want them to have my joy. I, I want them to experience without doubt that, that, um, uh, that there's a sustaining joy that happens despite circumstances. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Remain in my love and I'll remain in you. Do what I command. Now, this is important because, again, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about in the next few weeks has to do with us actually obeying God, okay? So when I talk about, hey, we give our whole lives over to him, we give him access to every part of our life, at some point, he's going to require us to do something or not do something, and that hinges on this. So it's really important that we understand that. So Jesus says, remain in my love, I'll remain in you, do what I command. Then he says this, two verses later, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So maybe we don't have a Heavenly Father that gives us what we want when we want it. Maybe we have a Heavenly Father that knows exactly what we need that can't be taken away based on circumstances. He goes on again in chapter 16. He says, until now you've asked for nothing, uh, or you've not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. It'll be to the fullest. It'll be experienced even in great pain. John 17, Jesus is praying to the, to his heavenly father about um, us. And he says this, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy in them. There's something about the kingdom of God that transcends everything. And, and, and believe me, as I just look out and I know a lot of our stories, some of the stuff that we've gone through as people, losing loved ones, lo- losing relationships, losing businesses, losing homes, oh, there's, there's deep, deep pain and heartache. But the kingdom of God has this thing that just transcends that where we are actually able to experience God's joy. And we're going to talk about it in just a little bit how we do that. But that we can actually go through difficulty and still have joy. Next week, we're going to talk about peace, the same, the same, same type of thing. I want to show you what Paul writes, uh, because I, I think it, it, it really encapsulates this. And at the end of when he's done, I, I want you to get this one verse. You write it down, because if you can capture this for the week, it's been a good week, okay? This one last verse is just awesome. Uh, here's Paul. He's writing to the church of, in Corinth. This is his second letter. It might even have been his third uh, letter to them, um, but it's the second one of the ones we have. And um, here's what he says. He says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path 
so that our ministry will not be discredited. Well, um, so what he's saying is, I don't want to get in the way of anyone coming to God. Okay? I don't want to put a stumbling block at all. Now, what you would think, okay, is that, oh, then, then sugarcoat it. Because here's the thing. If I come up here and I'm, I, I come up in front of all you guys and you're like, you're like on the verge of following God, but you don't know and it seems hard and then you got to give up some stuff and you kind of like that stuff and that stuff's fun and, that, you know, and so you're, you're holding off because you're like, well, just give me a couple more weeks and then, then I'll, be, I'll be good to go. Right? So what I would say to you if I was trying not to put a stumbling block in your way is go, oh, oh it's okay. Uh, everything will be fine. Um, you know, you, uh, you were a sinner and, and you were going to hell, but then Jesus can get you to heaven. Don't you want to go to heaven? You know, you want a cookie like you know, it's like, it's just, this is it. It's like, it's like, what do you want? Hell, hell or heaven, right? So the, I, I try to make it as clear and as easy and as, as palatable as I could if I didn't want to put a stumbling block in your way. Here's the way Paul doesn't put a stumbling block in everybody's way. Watch this. He says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance. What does that tell you? But it tells you it's a journey. This kingdom work is a journey. <laughs> that takes endurance. That takes kind of day-to-day stuff. Chop wood, carry water. In troubles, huh, that sounds like, like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Hardships, distresses, beatings, <laughs> imprisonments and riots and hard work, sleepless nights and hunger. Like, listen, I, I don't want to put any stumbling blocks in anybody's way, but it's going to be hard. Um, it, it, things aren't going to work out the way you like. It's sleepless nights. It's all this, it, this kind of stuff. You think those are nothing but stumbling blocks. You know, if you're trying to convince somebody, how, did, how does Paul handle that? Here's how he handles it. Impurity understanding, patience, and kindness. Here we go. This is the key. In the Holy Spirit. Wait a second. We're studying the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe being directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit is the key of what we're talking about. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He goes on. In the power of the Holy Spirit with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. You get the sense that Paul understands humanity. And he says, this is how it's, it is. You stand braced, empowered by, and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like blessing to me. That regardless of what I might face tomorrow, regardless of how things turn out, that I can actually handle it and not only handle it, experience joy? That's incredible. And so, uh, and then he just, he just wraps up life, really. Because we, we think, well, okay, well, then it's going to be hard. Okay, I got that. John, you said it. It's going to be hard and I can experience joy. But watch, watch what he does. Watch how he describes life. And I, I just think this is so good. He says, through glory and dishonor. 
In other words, there's going to come times where you receive the raise and you get the prize and you won the game and, you, and, and all that. And people understand you and they respect you and, and you walk into a room and everybody applauds. And then there's going to be times when none of that happens and it's just the opposite. And you're misunderstood and you're dishonored and disrespected. He goes on. Bad report and good report. This happens when, when someone's saying bad stuff about you and when someone's saying good stuff about you. He's like, isn't he describing life? I mean, this could be your week this week, one of these things. My week. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. In other words, even when he's doing the right, when Paul says, I did this, I like poured out this big sacrifice for everybody because I love them. And I just, I just sacrificed for these people. And they go, hypocrite <laughs> or, you know, you're just doing that because you want people. And it's, and he's going, no, like genuine, but, but regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. This is Paul's description of his life and ministry. And then what he says next, I think, is where we want to get to. That, that, that maybe joy isn't the removal of bad things. And maybe joy isn't the acceptance of blessings and, and stuff. Maybe there's this simmering that happens in the presence of God that fills us and, and fuels us. Watch what he says. And, yeah, just write this on your uh, fridge. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That's so encouraging to me. Because notice what Paul's saying. He's not saying, oh, just forget about it. It's no big deal. This is the kingdom of God. That's, that's the eternal stuff. All this stuff is temporal. Sorry about the cancer. Like, no, no, but don't worry about it. No, no. He says, no, ache, feel it. Yeah, it, life is lame a lot of times. Things don't turn out. And maybe you've done everything honest and your business partner walked away with all the cash. Right? Maybe you've been trying to do the right thing or you, you've been faithful to a spouse and then they, they're the ones that end up cheating and all this kind of stuff. Paul doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Erase, erase. Everything's fine. Everything's flowers. He says, feel that. Yet, in the midst of it, there's a sense of God's presence that fuels us and fills us. I just love that imagery. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That, to me, sounds like a blessing from God. That, to me, sounds like strength. That, to me, sounds real. Does that not sound real? Isn't that better than just needing something good, which you'll just get bored with two months later? And then, then he wraps it all up with just kind of an alley-oop, like slam dunk, okay? He says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Man, don't you want a life like that? Like, don't don't you want to have it to where, yeah, 
I, listen, don't get me wrong. I love me some comfort, okay? I like, when I stay at a hotel, I want it to be a nice hotel. If I drive a car, I want it to be a nice car. If I eat a steak, I want it to be an expensive, thick steak. Okay, like, I, I get that. I, 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 I want that. But if I can't get that <laughs> and bad things are going to happen, I'll take that. that. In other words, what Paul's saying is it really doesn't have to do Anything about possessions. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Here's the way Jesus summed it up in, uh, um, the, in one of his sermons where he was removing obstacles. Uh, he says this, Blessed are you when people insult you <laughs> and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And you know what the very next sentence says, because, because that, that is a weird, like, can you imagine rejoicing in the midst of being insulted? Can you imagine getting to a place like that? He says, those people who can get there will be noticed. There's something about joyful people who are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And here's how, what Jesus calls them. He calls them salt to the earth. It's different. Allowing the kingdom of God to operate even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of pain. It's a preservative for the earth. So how do we we get there? Because uh, like I said, this fruit doesn't just happen. You you can't force it. You can't walk out of here and say... um, I'm going to be more joyful. Now, now you can, and that, that's helpful. And there are some times when you're in the midst of something and you just say, Lord, I'm just going to praise you in the midst of this. And, and, and the, those, are, those are great. But I, I, I want to I take it one step further and challenge you a little bit. Because I think Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, really gives us a key to what the feeding might be for this fruit. Remember we said that there's pruning and there's, there's feeding. Um, the pruning part of this might be removing some of the things in your life that are robbing you of your joy, that are actually robbing you of your joy. Now, that, that could, that, in a group like this, that could mean all sorts of things. It might be as easy as just not reading that blog every day. Okay, like it might be just that of just not watching the news, you know, whatever. It might be something similar like that, similar, I mean, uh, small like that. But it also might be something bigger. Like what might be robbing you of your joy is that you're not that far in your career and you thought you'd be farther. And that pruning might be to give up that dream of being rich and famous or whatever the dream is. Or having your somebody respect you or having being up at a certain level. Maybe that's part of the pruning is to go, look, that is robbing me of my joy. I'm just going to give up on that. So, so, so it, it might be something like that. And I'll, I'll trust the Holy Spirit to give you your example. But then there's the feeding part. Like, is there something I can do to actually experience joy in my life? And here's what Psalm 16 says. And this is so key for joy. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. For some of us this week, 
The feeding for joy might be to just take some time. Maybe you've never taken time to just sit with Jesus, to sit with God, to wake up 15 minutes early and go, God, I just, I just invite your presence. So it might be something like that in the morning. And, and, and for those of you, if that's new and you think, man, I, I, in the morning I got to like get up and talk to God. I don't even know what I'd say to God. I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you this as a pastor. I, I've been to school, okay? I've been doing ministry. This is it. This is, I'm going to give you deep theological stuff. Here's what you say. Hey, God. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I just got some stuff on my mind that I wanted to talk to you about. See, there is no these, no thous, no shouts, shout nots, no uh, big words. You're just talking to your heavenly father. God, I'm really nervous about this thing at work. I, I invite you just to come and fill me with your presence, to surround me in your presence. To let me know that I'm okay, that this is going to be fine. This is how it played out for me um, at, a, uh, at a time in my life where I was not experiencing any of the joy of the Lord. I wanted to leave my job uh, and, and move, move up the, the ladder. That, that job felt like I was, um, that I could only go so high in that job, and I wanted to go higher, okay? And so, so I was just bummed out at that job. I, I, I didn't like it. Now, I ended up staying there for 16 years, so it worked out. So you have to listen to what I say. Um, and so, so uh, I was just at that point. And, you know, we get this in our career sometimes. Sometimes you're at school and you're thinking, man, school's taking forever, you know? And you're just like, I just want to quit and all that kind of stuff. So I got into this concept of, of, of trying to just practice Christ's presence in my life. And so I, I had a briefcase. I'd, I'd carry a briefcase. You can just imagine what a knucklehead I was. Anyway, I was young. Um, and so one day, I'd always, I'd get in the car and I'd put the briefcase on the passenger seat, okay? Uh, and that's what I do every day. Get in the car, put the briefcase on the passenger seat. Well, one, one day, I said, if I'm going to invite Jesus to be with me, to experience his presence, I got to make room for him. So I took the briefcase and I put it in the back seat. You guys are looking at me like, cuckoo, <laughs> okay? Yeah, it was a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but don't worry about it. L- let me finish. Uh, so I put it in the back seat and I said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, just like that, I'd like you to ride to work with me today, okay? Again, no theology, no nothing. I don't even know if you the- theologically you can even say that. I don't know, but I did. And I began talking to Jesus as though he was right there. Yes, I looked like I was psycho on the other people on the freeway, right? So I just pretended I was on a phone. No, I'm playing. Uh, so, um, but I just, Jesus, we're here. I'm talking to him while I'm going, just imagining him right there. Now, again, that's just my wacky way of doing it. But here's the weird thing that happened. I began to experience his joy and I began to not really care about my job. Nothing changed. I didn't get a promotion. No other company wanted to do a lateral move. I had headhunters, like, you know, I hired, like, one of those and tried to get, I, was, I had to get out of that job. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to get out of the job. Why? I was filled with the joy of his presence. And I was experiencing that joy at work. Now, I don't, I didn't even know it was impossible to be joyful at work. <laughs> and yet I was. As Ajra comes back up and leads us in a closing song. Here's what I'd ask you to do. 
Is there a place in your life you need to make room for Jesus to show up and be present? Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is school. Maybe it's your home. Is there a place where you need to go, you know what, I, I, I'm going to allow, I want to invite Christ into this situation, not to change it, but just to be with me in it. And maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's already talking to you and going, yeah, there, there, there is a spot. There is a spot. Is there some place that needs to be pruned where, where you're just, you're so consumed with the, with the idea of the circumstances need to change that you just need to give up on that. So what we're going to do is, um, as Audrey plays this song, just talk to your Heavenly Father about it. Tell him, hey, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know where to begin to, to make room for you, for, for your presence. I don't know that. And just have that conversation. And uh, like Bob was saying during this time, what, the other things we do is we fill out our connection cards. And so if there's something you, you want prayer for, in that area, like, man, I just don't, I want to experience the joy of the Lord in this particular area. Write that on the prayer request. And then we take that on our offering and we put that in the box in the back and we'll pray for those things this week. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, we are so thankful that your goal for us is that we would have your joy that you were anointed with and we would have it to the fullest. Lord, I, I pray uh, right now as we just take some time to reflect and to talk to you that you would show us these areas that we might need to prune back a little bit or the areas where we might need to just carve out some time for you or carve out a space for you to be invited in so that we can experience more of your presence.